From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. everybody welcome to brotherly pod it is uh the week of the season the calendar is not on the right day of course it is uh tuesday october 1st we are officially in october flyers are what three days away from starting so we're gonna break down all the recent news and more but first let me introduce my guests uh you may know him from flyers twitter tim Younghands joining me tim how you doing i'm doing swell how about you guys I am doing great uh, from Flyers Twitter as well. Chris Madumba is here. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? I am great. And uh, last but not least, also from Flyers Twitter, Steve Appleman is here. Steve, what's up? Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Well, boys, it is the day of the final roster cuts here. And some interesting... Surprising, maybe not so surprising news. Joel Farabee, Phil Myers sent down to the Phantoms. Uh, essentially, in a cap crunch are the Flyers due to some injuries. But, uh, Tim, what were your thoughts about Farabee and Myers getting sent down? So, Farabee, I was definitely a little surprised about. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen it. Had a great preseason. Uh, I really liked his battle, compete level. Um, I liked how he was getting pucks to the net. I mean, unfortunately, uh, the, the post got the better of him quite a few times. But Myers, on the other hand, uh, I was a little disappointed, to be honest, with his preseason. Like, did not show up the way he had thought he was. The first game, he started out, I was actually there, and he had a couple nice plays to start. But then he started getting shaky, started uh, thinking a little bit too much. He did settle down by the end, but... I really, I'm really hoping that maybe either he takes some time back in in Lehigh and uh, gets things together, or uh, maybe uh, the end of the preseason might have helped him a little bit, like you guys were saying uh, with the uh, with the cap going on here. Uh, hopefully, we can bring him back up. I mean, last year he he looked shaky again, and then when he came back uh, towards the end of the season, he looked night and day better uh especially with uh his reads of uh defense like his gap control um playing on the boards uh so uh yeah i mean hopefully if all goes well uh we'll see him back up here soon you know fletcher did say that there's gonna be a lot of moves made so we'll see what's going on with that yeah, you know, Myers just didn't kick the door down like we thought he was going to. You know, he looked phenomenal during yeah. the rookie game. He looked totally like he didn't belong there, like a seasoned vet. And then the regular season, or the preseason rather, comes along, and he just doesn't quite fit in. Uh, they are rather deep at defense uh, right now, so it's not necessarily a big thing. Farabee, Farabee looks good from a hockey sense, just was not... Something was missing. You know, he wasn't scoring the goals. He hit, I don't even know how many posts, probably at least half a dozen. But uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he just wasn't quite there yet. So I, I'm surprised he got sent down. But, Chris, uh, I'm not, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. No, I don't. I mean, he just came off of his rookie year in uh, what was it, Boston University. 
he was at? Yes. Uh, yeah, yes, so yes. Boston University. So he's still pretty young. Uh, I'd rather him get top six line minutes in the with, with the Phantoms than uh, stick with the Flyers and get maybe third line minutes. Uh, especially when we get you know people coming back from injuries, that's gonna complicate things even more. So I'd rather him get his reps in the AHL, get some preparation, and and then come back with a little bit more maturity, a little bit more experience, so that. Uh, you know that those hitting the post it doesn't frustrate him. I, I saw him getting pretty frustrated uh, during the preseason. I also saw him play at a charity event uh, at Vo- in Voorhees, uh, checking for charity. Uh, he played in the championship tournament. Their team got smoked, and he <laughs> broke his stick several times over the boards. <laughs> you know he was yelling. I was like, yeah, I, he's playing really well, but he's not taking it very well. He's not taking adversity very well. So that that could cause problems, you know, in the long run. And we even saw he took a stupid penalty yesterday, uh, in the, in the yeah, first period yeah. that that led to a goal. You know, I mean, we're we're going to talk about it later. There's a lot of issues that they had yesterday, but part of it was, you know, Faraby's a little immature, which is fine. He's 19. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> there was a guy who talked about it in the show before. Somebody I saw with a roster prediction probably about a month ago. He had Faraby on the third line right wing and Frost as the fourth line center. And it's like, why would you do that? You know, put Frost and Faraby, and, and even now, now Ratcliffe is down there as well. Let the three of them have top-line minutes with the Phantoms. Let them, let them grow, let them learn, let them experience what it's like to be playing against the team's top competition. And then let them come in the NHL and be, you know, ready as a full unit rather than just throwing them in six minutes a night. It's just not worth it. I, again, they made the right call, Steve. Yeah, absolutely they did. Um, Like... I think the big thing is is that you wanted to see Farabee score more because, as we've seen with the Flyers over the past, oh, I don't know how many years, they have trouble getting out to fast starts. They start out year after year after year going so slow, and this team just can't afford to start out slow again, especially in the Eastern Conference where it's going to be incredibly difficult, where you have your Tampas, you have your Capitals, you have your Penguins. You know, you have all these teams that are really high-level and high-skilled competition. So the Flyers can't afford to start out like they did last year in October, going really, really slow and not scoring a lot of goals and not scoring a lot of points. Um, and Faraby was, I mean, he was doing really, really well in the preseason. And, you know, he was hitting the post and he looked really good, but he just wasn't putting the puck in the net. And that's what you got to do in the NHL. You can't afford to not put a puck in the net, especially if you're a forward. Um, so I think sending him down to the AHL is probably a little bit good for him. It gives him a little bit of time to kind of, uh, build his confidence back up, play up against made competition he's a little bit more close to, and that way he can start putting some goals in, start getting his confidence up. And like you said, he was having his, you know, anger issues. So if he's starting to feel himself and he's starting to feel himself in the AHL, bring him back up to the NHL where he can start working on it and build off his confidence and start scoring goals because the Flyers just absolutely cannot afford to not score goals, especially in the month of October where they start so slow. Yeah, and uh, after a less than inspiring preseason, uh, they went one, three, and three, including getting their shit kicked in by Lazane uh, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> oh yikes! Yeah, it, it, you know, Alevinio has been very good 
uh, thus far about being very straightforward. You know, he's he he hasn't said this team sucks, <laughs> but uh, he's, team, he's <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's been able to walk around it. And you know, after a a rough performance here in October, uh, pull up a stat here over the last six seasons since the lockout, the Flyers were twenty six, thirty two, and six in the month of October. So uh, never breaking the five hundred mark in that stretch. So, you know, after a less than stellar preseason, the schedule's not really working with them. You know, they open the season in Prague, they play one home game against the Devils, and then they immediately head out on the Western Canada trip, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary, I believe. So, I mean, this schedule's not benefiting them either, but the play that we're seeing from the players themselves has not been stellar enough to really warrant any kind of uh, positivity yet, uh, Tim? (laughs) So the last couple of years, I just feel like, I mean, they, they've had their, their fair share of blowout games here and there, but I was hoping, you know, with the, the changes that we've had so far that we would see a little bit more than what we have. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still not seeing that, uh, that team that, you know, we're supposed to be getting hyped up about. Granted, you know, there's been issues with, you know, little injuries here and there and things, but... Uh, I mean, I, I watched all seven games and especially, I mean, the top off that last one. And then the the only game that we actually did win was the one that he was up in the uh, in the Raptors with the, the GM. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's a little interesting side point. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely been some bright points. You know, obviously we touched on Farabee and, and I mean, Hayes looks strong. That line um, has probably been the most consistent of all of them. But and you know, uh, you know, having TK back and and as you guys were talking about Farabee, I mean, having TK Farabee probably was a bit of an insurance thing because he was on the top line um, practicing with them for a while. But uh, yeah, a lot to be left. Uh, and, and and the other thing too is Hart was looking so good until that last game. Uh, I mean, you know, granted it was, you know, the ice and uh, the defense and, you know, all the other excuses, but uh, yeah, I, um, I'm hoping for a better result for the start of the year. It's just like on paper, this team has so much talent and they're so deep and then they go out there and it's just, eh, you know, just a bunch of guys. <laughs> and we said the same thing going into last season as well, where in theory there should have been too much talent to fail even with the ineptitude of Dave Haxtell as head coach. Now, granted, that last season was a goddamn disaster, and the goaltending certainly <laughs> didn't help. But it very much has that same feel this year. I'm looking at this roster going, like, there should be no issues here whatsoever. And, again, it's only preseason, but I I, I, I don't know. It, it sucks. Uh, Chris, what do you think? I think the biggest sin that, that Hack committed was allowing the team to get complacent. You know, even if they had a bad game, like, oh, bad puck luck, they're playing great, they're just not getting the bounces. And that allowed the players to make the excuse, oh, well, you know, it's not our fault, it's the hockey gods that are making things <laughs> difficult for us. Uh, but I get the feeling that, that uh, Alain Vigneault was not going to let him get away with that. And the big cuts that, that he delivered right before the Rangers game is proof of that. He felt that his veterans weren't giving him what he needed, so he said, you know what? fine, I'm going to play you for the rest of the preseason as punishment because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. But, you know, unfortunately, it's going to take a while to 
defeat the habits that they developed under Hack. He was here for you know four and a half years, uh, about three and a half too many, if you ask me. But you know they, they got used to it. They, they're complacent. Uh, G was maybe the only one they showed down well, Coots as well. But you know Gaborchek, a great player, but he wasn't doing anything. You know, and they were also in a situation where Raffle was on their top line. When you're dealing with that and you're seeing who's on your top line, Evan also is like, well, why should I even bother? You know, what, 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 you know what, what's the point when uh, our roster shot the hell? Cap's kind of in a weird situation. Now, again, uh, Ron Hextall did a great job of getting him out of it, but he had no end game. It was just, let's keep, let's keep rebuilding, let's keep rebuilding, which also gave the Flyers an excuse to not be good. You know, we're, we're constantly in this rebuild mode. We're not supposed to be winning now and tomorrow, but tomorrow never came. And that's going to take a long time to break. It might make the playoffs this year, but I don't expect too much. It's really next year I'm looking to once uh, Vigneault has had a chance to break the old habits. The term transition year is something I've heard forever now. Oh, they're one year away from being one year away. <laughs> I, I think this is that year. This is the year where shit's going to change slowly but surely and the next year is going to be the one where they actually do something. Because I, I, there's going to be a lot of growing pains under Vigneault because he's actually going to demand things from them rather than the complacency that they've had under Dave Haxtell and Craig Bruby for the last half decade. So I, it's going to be I think a challenging season. I I don't know how disappointing they're going to be. Again, the Metro's strong. The Atlantic Division's strong. They're going to be fighting for uh, quite a few of those wild card spots as well. You know, teams like Florida and Montreal and even Buffalo, if they can, you know, get their stars to align after however many decades they've been tanking now. So, uh, Steve, you know, <laughs> I, I'm excited to kind of see this team, but I'm going to keep my hopes down low this year. I can't handle another transition year. Like, come on. <laughs> like, how many times were we in the transition? Because I feel like that's all that Ron Hextall's year and Dave Hextall's years were. It was just transition years because it was the promise of, oh, it's okay. You know, we're going to build the farm system. You know, um, Holmgren destroyed the cap. He put us in cap hell. We're so screwed. And then Hextall came and with a magic wand started getting rid of all the, you know, what seemed like skill players. And started just drafting well. And granted, he has drafted pretty well. I mean, he's got a decent track record, but it's just like everything just seems like a transition year. And when it was time to hit the gas pedal, Hexall just never wanted to hit the gas pedal. And I guess that's what's kind of nice about Chuck Fletcher and probably the old guard that, you know, kicked Hexall out is that they were tired of that whole transition year thing. But, you know, I think there's also, you know, only so much that Chuck Fletcher can do because you're probably right in that. Yeah, this is probably a transition year, but there's, you know, he's got to build towards something. And this year, I think he's definitely going to be looking at, along with Vigneault, um, how this core really shakes out. Because if this core is getting off to another slow start, like we brought up, and if this core is just going to be lackadaisical and not putting all the effort, then yeah, it is going to be a transition year. Because yeah, they have a ton of talent. Jacob Voracek is a talented player. Claude Giroux is a talented player. Sean Couturier is a talented player. But if they're just not meshing well together or they're just not putting in the effort, like, you know, what we always have seen and what we've seen this preseason where, you know, they go down three, four, five goals in the first, second period, and then they try and they fight their way and claw their way back in the third period all for it to, you know, fail, and you still end up with zero points. You know, you, you can't just keep doing that. So it may end up being a transition year where Chuck Fletcher, uh, sorry, Chuck Fletcher has to kind of keep looking at this roster and, you know, 
make some really tough decisions at the end of the year and be like, yeah, maybe this core isn't what we thought it was, and maybe some players need to start going. I think Chuck Fletcher is giving the core one last chance to make things happen. They're, they brought in Kevin Hayes, and they kept Van Riemsdyk around, and you know they brought in the defensemen to make something happen, to try and force something out of this team, out of this current core. And if shit hits the fan and nothing happens this year, like, what more could you possibly do to make this lineup better? It's got to go. It's you got to go. You got to start. Years. Yeah, you got to start. You know, getting rid of some of the, the the players that have been complacent for all this time, and that includes Jacob Voracek. You know, I would not move Claude Giroux. I still think he's the lifeblood here because there's nobody to replace him if they would move him. But you got to start doing something. You got to start making the tough calls, and you got to start shaking things up and and giving these young kids that are coming up, the Farabies and the Frosts and, and the Myers, give them the best chance to succeed rather than just trying to inject them into a dead core that's not doing anything. Uh, Tim? Yeah, I mean, it's like we were touching on. I mean, we're starting to see the same old stuff every game, like you're saying, going down a couple goals. I mean, you know, I've I've even heard people, you know, their frustrations frustrations with Giroux, but it, I mean, it's it really does come down to the season. I agree. Like, we need to and we need to start seeing the young guys. I mean, we were talking about Ron. I mean, he's done a great job with all the picks he's had. And we've seen, you know, we, we had Provorov, we have Sanheim, we have Konechny. So we, we're starting to see guys. And then, you know, Farabee's coming up. Uh, Frost was looking good, too. But, you know, we got to start seeing something. we got to start seeing, you know, we want to see Konechny. We want to see him breaking the 30-goal mark. We want to see Provorov getting back to, you know, what we saw him two years ago. Uh, we want to see... Sanheim, I mean, he's steadily been improving, so he, he just needs to keep going with that. We, And then, uh, you know, there's Lindblom, too. Don't let me forget that. And, uh, and yeah, I want to I see more from Jake. I mean, we, we see the guy off the ice, and don't get me wrong, like, he, he hustles, but I see sometimes when, he, you know, when it comes down to it, and then he'll, he's got a shot, and he'll pass it, and there's, you know, a lot of complacency, and it's not just him either. Uh, it's all across the board. We just got to see, you know, people taking action. We got to see wins. I mean, it, it comes down to that. We need to see more wins. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something's got to happen here. And again, I don't know. We talked about the cuts a little bit. I don't know if Farabee, you know, AV seemed to think that Farabee would be there on opening night. And granted, his send down was more of a paper move due to the injuries of Nolan Patrick and Andy Walensky, who right. uh, they need to keep on board because they're injured. They can't send him down. So, right. mm-hmm. you know, these paper moves were interesting. Again, Farabee, I think, will be back sooner than later. Myers, Myers is probably going to be sent down at least until the trade down. Again, unless shit hits the fan, at least, at least until the trade deadline because you got Haig and Moran right now. And unless somebody trades for Robert Haig, which would be a asinine move, uh, they're here and they're here to stay for at least a season. You know, I, I don't think it would hurt Myers to stay down with the Phantoms, but the only way he's going to be able to adjust to the NHL is playing in the NHL, Chris. Yeah, I mean, he certainly needs to get his reps in, and I think he's really more of a victim of uh, he was the most convenient player to send down because no one can yank him off the waiver wire. Uh, but, I mean, again, effectively, 
they're not really being quote unquote sent down because they're uh, you know a couple thousand miles away from Lehigh. They're they're not yeah. flying back. You know, they're they're gonna hang out in Prague until uh, until this happens. You know, and a lot of it is what ifs. What if uh, Tyler Pitlick can play? What what if uh, you know other players start show, showing the ability to to play when they're even though they're hurt now? What what if they decide they want you know they don't want Chris Stewart around? You know, the, the, all all these what ifs need to come in alignment. But I think that eventually uh, these two will get time to play. It's just a matter of making the making it work with the cap. Uh, give, letting them get some well, more Farabee than than uh, Myers get get some chance to get acclimated to professional level hockey, and then uh, seeing what they can do at at, at the top. Uh, but you know, it's it's really more of a time thing and a, and a cap thing than it is a skill thing. Two players that did make the team kind of surprising, but not really because they did play well in camp. Uh, Bunneman and Torinsky are here. Connor Bunham and Carson Turinsky. Uh I really like what I've seen out of both of them. I, I think they're both solid fourth line NHLers, or can be, and certainly will be in the future. You know, I think Bunneman has the better overall game, but goddamn Carson Turinsky is a beast in front of the net. <laughs> he has played very, very well in that role uh, throughout preseason. So, uh, Steve, what were your thoughts on Bunneman and Turinsky thus far? I liked them both. I honestly wasn't expecting much coming from them from camp. I was, you know, obviously I had my my eyes more on the, you know, the Farabees, the Frost, those kind of characters. But I wasn't, you know, over the course of the preseason, they definitely stuck out more and more. And why do they stick out more and more? Because they scored goals, and that's what you kind of do. And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons that they're up here is they're, you know, they're constantly putting the puck in the net, but they bring a lot more, I think, than a lot of people were suspecting, especially coming kind of coming off the um, uh, initial roster when everyone's coming into camp. I mean, from all accounts, I think it was Terensky who was, you know, last year in training camp started lighting it up and it was like, oh, he looks pretty good. He looks pretty good, but he didn't quite make the roster. And then they went down to the AHL and he had kind of a meh AHL season. And then, you know, the only thing I'm worried about with that, even though he's looking really, really good now, is, you know, is it the same sort of thing? Is he kind of just like, you know, a camp darling where he lights it up in camp, and then when you get into the full grind of an NHL season where you're traveling all over the place, you know, you're going on these extended road trips, and, you know, you're competing with all these big adults as if you can handle it. But, you know, from the preseason, he looks really, really good. He's, you know, big, physical. He gets in front of the net. He's getting those nice rebound goals, like the one he had with um, – Granted, he didn't score it, um, but the one he had with Couturier, the third goal yesterday, um, he was just all around the net, and he's just using his body to block uh, the vision of the goalie, and he's setting these things up. And Bunneman's been just as good as him, I I think so, too. Um, And he's been kind of all over the ice as well, and I think they're both going to be really good. You know, I want to see maybe if they might be able to push him up a line or two, like throw one of them up on third line ring and wing, excuse me, and maybe see where t- if we can put Pitlick on the fourth line just to see where it is. Because if they're all doing really well and they're all playing well in the preseason, you know, why not give them a little bit more of an opportunity? It's kind of like a reward to say, like, hey, we don't just see you as a fourth liner, even though, you know, probably skill wise, you might just be a fourth liner. But, you know, both of them have stood out pretty well in the AHL or not in the AHL in this uh, preseason. And it's kind of been a little bit of a surprise to me. A good surprise, for once. It's a good surprise, and I think it goes back to what we were talking to. I would rather have Bunneman and Torinsky play six minutes a night with the Flyers 
and let Frost and Faraby and Rubsov play, you know, 20 minutes a night with the Phantoms and get the experience. And and these are two guys that will probably be fourth liners in the future for the Flyers. I don't know how long they stick around this year. I think a lot of that depends on, uh, you know, Tyler Pitlick's health and injuries in general. Because, um, uh, you know, Elaine uh, you know, and Chuck Fletcher both have talked about, you know, kind of swapping out some of these young kids uh, to start the season here. So I don't know how long they're going to stay, but I think it's a good move. It's a good experience for them, and it gets them ready for the future. They are both uh, 24 years old. No, they're both 21 years old. I was looking at the wrong people. <laughs> Torrance Ginbonham and both 21 years old. So, you know, it gives them uh, a taste of the future and what could be, and... Uh, you know, puts them ahead here, and I think that they could be very solid. And you got guys like you know Rubsov have looked good during camp, but I think he could probably be a third liner uh, in the future. And you know Frost, Faraby, Ratcliffe, when the time comes, they're going to be a, a three-headed beast to deal with then. So it's a good move in the short term, Tim. Yeah, I was touching on earlier about uh, how we weren't seeing a lot of that. Like, I want the puck, give it to me now, and. Touching on this, like Torensky, you know, I I was watching the the preseason last year. I mean, he looked pretty strong, but this year I feel like it was his coming out party, and he was you know constantly he was like uh, I would say like Lawton was in the beginning of the year last year. He was constantly on the puck, and then I mean that that Rangers game. I'm telling you, like or uh, excuse me, was it the Rangers game that he scored the goal? Uh, where he, he just was like, you know what? I am not going to be denied. I'm going to sit here and wait till that puck comes down over the line, and I'm going to bat it in. And, like, just to see that, that was, to me, like, if I'm picking out one thing besides, you know, heart, the last game, I feel like Torinsky is not going to be denied, and we need to see more of that in our lineup. And, like you're saying, he's a fourth liner probably for the future. Hey, maybe you know he could get sneak in to get a third line spot for right now while Patrick's out, while Pitt looks out. But you know you need guys like that because those guys they're going to be out there bringing the energy, and they're going to get the rest of the guys fired up. We need the rest of the team, you know, to to play like that. You know, connect me. We got you know him there too. Pitlick, I've heard good things from him. We just need more of those guys in our lineup. And then Bunneman, uh, you know. I was hearing about uh, the skating improvement. That's the big thing everyone was talking about with him. And I was there at the training camp. And, I mean, that's the other thing, too. Both of them got size. I mean, you look at across our lineup now. I mean, I remember, like, we had the, you know, the Matt Reeds, you know, Jeruz, the Wheels, like, all these guys. And then all of a sudden now, you look down our lineup, every, almost everybody is above, you know, 6'2", 6'3". You got like, you know, Morin, 6-7, Myers, San, you know, all these guys. Uh, so it's looking bright. I, I think one of you touched on it that like this year is the sort of transition year and next year we're going to hit the ground running. I, I'm, I'm on that same page as well. I, I feel like we got the, the pieces and you know, we just got to believe a little bit more. And just for future reference, that is the greatest defenseman of all time, Samuel Moran, to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a no exactly. bashing Thank of the you. Samuel Moran Thank podcast. You for the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the official podcast of the Moran Mafia. Yes. God. <laughs> he's he's great, and he made the team. So 
I mean, what more could he ask for right I'm now? excited to see what he actually has, though. Like, you know, he got injured last year because la- uh, last year was supposed to be his, like, you know, let's see what he's got. Let's see what we actually got in this guy. And then he, like, tore up his ACL, which uh, sucked because now I'm actually yeah. really excited to see what, you know, the six, seven bulking defenseman can actually do. I can't wait, actually. He's looking. And please, please. Go ahead. Please put him in over Hank, please. <laughs> well, he doesn't look out of please. place. That's the biggest thing. Is as long as he look he's looked place. perfectly fine during the preseason. You know, he's he's playing the game as advertised. You know, he's not going to be a Phil Myers. He's not going to, you know, cycle the power play by himself. He's just going to be there, a solid defenseman, and he's going to rough shit up. What more could you ask for? That's what I want out of my third pair defenseman. That's yeah, top pair defenseman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think my, my question with Moran though is can he can he cycle the puck and and can he uh, really push play? I mean he really came and was drafted by the recommendation of of Pronger uh, with the hopes that he'd be the next Chris Pronger. Uh, I, I see him size wise absolutely, but I'm not entirely sure he's going to have Pronger's talent with the puck, and that's what what at this stage of the NHL is going to justify keeping a massive defenseman like a Chris Pronger type is what do you off offer not not like offensively per se but just movement of the puck you know we're not there's no value in a player that's just a big hunk of meat that's going to uh, just whack people all night we're we're done with that NHL as much as uh, old school fans will, will be unhappy with that that's just where we are with you know with the brain injuries being uh, the issue of the yard today speed being favored over size now is we need to start transitioning towards players that can move not that can stop other players from moving. Did you just diss Samuel Moran on my show? And it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Jury's still out on him. He is not well, a big hunk of meat. God damn, he's the greatest goddamn defenseman there's ever been. He's like like Scott Niedermeyer and Nick Lidstrom and Chris Pronger put together. That's Samuel Moran. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I mean, hey, you to, know what? to be fair... I don't even think he was... He's not the most... You know, he's not the most well-rounded guy. But when you have fucking Robert Hague in your lineup every night, you know, you cannot tell me that he's the worst option to put out there right now. That That, that is fair. Damn right it's fair. And, that's kind and of like plus, I don't, I don't think like... we've even seen it. We we haven't seen the real Sammy Rand. I don't, I don't believe it because, I mean, because of all the injuries, because of all the, you know, the questions about him, you know, there's... There's still a little bit of that, you know, indecisiveness, a little bit of the timidness, I feel like. But once you unleash, you know, what is Samuel Moran, I, I feel like it's going to be quite a sight. We're going to be in for something, I think. Uh, he played, what, five regular season games towards the end of last year, once the Flyers were out of the playoffs and everybody gave up. And he was the lone bright spot then, and he's looked perfectly fine during the preseason now. I think once he gets some regular reps, which hopefully he sees, because, you know, Alevino has not been afraid to shake up the lineups. And uh, we saw that today. He was throwing out some wild pairs because he was frustrated after the uh, Lazane game yesterday. But I, I don't think it's going to be too long before we see him in there, and hopefully he can play a very solid game at the NHL level, and I, I think that there's still enough potential there to uh, to be excited about that. It's kind of going to be more like, you know, you know what we kind of have in Robert Haig, you know, guy who's going to be along the boards, as Bill Clement says, like, oh, he, you know, leads the team in hits, leads the NHL in hits. You kind of know what you have in Robert Haig, and you kind of know he's kind of a limited player, but 
you don't necessarily know what you have in Samuel Moran because, like you said, he only has those five NHL games like he had at the end of the year, and then he's got this training camp. But, you know, he's got all that potential. He's got, you know, he's a first-round pedigree type of player. He's big. You know, granted, he's not the best with the puck, but, you know, he makes up for it with his physicality. He can he can kill a penalty. He's really good at that sort of thing, especially uh, from what I've heard in the AHL. Like, he's pretty good at killing a penalty. So you just don't know what you have in him. And I think it comes down to do we play the player that we know? Kind of like I believe that was kind of the philosophy with um, Dave Haxtall and Ron Hextall is like, oh, let's just go with the player we know because I know what it is and I know what he's got on the ice as opposed to a player like Moran where he's got so much potential and we got to see what that potential is. Like he may not, you know, sorry, Dan, he may not be the best player and he may not shake out, but we just have no idea what we've gotten him. And I'm really excited to see what we actually have in him this year. And I think that's why he's worth playing, especially over Robert Haig. There's nothing that Robert Haig brings that Sam Moran doesn't. And he's bigger. You know, people go, Robert Haig leads the league and hits. Like, Sam Moran's 6'7", and the best thing he does is hit. You know, it's not like you're, you're, you're losing anything there. Plus, Sam Moran, we still don't know where his ceiling is. So there is no reason to not play him at least decent minutes, you know, throughout the early part of the season to see what you finally have in him after, how long has it been, six, seven years now? And plus, like... You know, Robert Haig leads the league in hits, but he's only 6'2". I think a lot of people would rather get hit by a 6'2 defenseman as opposed to a 6'7 hulking defenseman. I mean, Jesus Christ, Sam Moran's been killing people during preseason. There were quite a few times where he just crushed these people. <laughs> so, it, God, it's great. He's the best. But my, my one question is, if we're not playing Robert Hag, who's going to get blamed for cutting up players in the face with their stick? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can remove that stuff now, so it's okay. No, the, the, but, you know, it's the flyer. The views never go their way. <laughs> they'll blame uh, Chris Stewart. Yeah, there you go. He's not even on the team, and they'll, they'll blame Chris Stewart anyway. <laughs> oh, they'll blame Chris Stewart. They'll, they'll blame, so, trust me, somebody will fall in that role sooner or later. Andrew McDonald's gone. Robert Haig is still here. But if Robert Haig sits out because of him, they'll find somebody to blame. Don't worry. <laughs> it'll it'll be, you know what, it's going to be, it's going to be, um, Niskanen is going to get the, uh, Get all the blame. It seems like the early, <laughs> the early uh, <laughs> favorite to take that heat is Niskanen. Yes. Well, I was I was okay with his play in the preseason. It looked it looked fine. He's fine. I don't think he's quite what I was expecting. I, I think again, it's only preseason, and he's a veteran. Maybe he didn't have his full pedal to the metal here. But I, I was kind of expecting a little more out of him uh, from what I've seen already. But again, it could just be the preseason. Could just be he's taking his time. I hope he does show a little more than what he has, though. We don't have Gudis, so there's that. Oh my God, that's always a positive. <laughs> and you know, him. and you know, God forbid, uh, maybe we do well enough where we don't have to pick, you know, the one guy to be the. The fall, man. I mean, <laughs> let's maybe... not get carried away here. <laughs> this is Flyers Twitter. Come on. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, are you saying that you optimistic. want no one to get the blame, or you want more of them to get the blame? <laughs> just spread it around. Everybody equally gets the blame, not just one person. <laughs> I mean, then, but then again, again, <sighs> then again, who we will talk to? You know, about uh, when the things are going wrong, you, you gotta have somebody, but. You know, just I, I remember days when I wasn't looking around on the lineup sheet, looking like who can we blame this game on? Yeah, we oh, did have old days. years where, yeah. 
God, it's been a lot of years since there hasn't been a uh, whipping boy on the roster. Probably since uh, <laughs> Andrew McDonald showed up. Probably Is even before. Andrew still available? I'm sure he's <laughs> available. I doubt anybody else wants him. Chris Vandevelde. Let's see what he's up to these days. I guarantee you he's going to sign a PTO with the Leafs in short order. <laughs> yeah, go hang out with his buddy Dave Axel. Yeah. <laughs> Currently an unrestricted free agent having less played in the Australian Hockey League. Austrian oh. Hockey League. E-B-E-L. Oh. What the hell that means. There you go, Austria. <laughs> so he and Michael Roffel can hook back up. <laughs> in a couple of years. <laughs> I think Matt Reed is in on a... Oh, I was on a PTO. I think he signed with the... Uh, Maple Leafs minor league team. So there you go. You can. Uh, uh, Reed was with Minnesota, I believe. Reed uh, signed with the Marlies last year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh right, with the Marlies. That's right. He was with the Minnesota the year before that. Right. Right. He's going so he can have Dave Haxtell and Matt Reed and Chris Vandevelde, and it'll just be like 2015 Philadelphia Flyers all over again. (laughs) Unfortunately, they got rid of Neuvert, so it's not a complete reunion. Michael Maver. How is he still alive? Is I, really my question. Uh, it, it sucks because he was okay when he was healthy. But well, that's the oh thing. He God. was okay when he was healthy, but then the Dave Haxall said, "I'm going to ride this guy into the ground." God. <sighs> Dave Haxall, the goalie killer. <laughs> he just he did yeah. it with everybody he came across over the last five years. Just everybody. God, I, I don't miss those days. I And I really hope, and not that I maybe get up on the side topic, but like, I'm really hoping that Vignol doesn't do that with Carter Hart because, you know, good Lord, I'm, you well, know, we've been used to it in the that NHL. That worries me greatly at this point. I think the worst thing they did this offseason was keeping Brian Elliott. I, I yeah. just I, – I, Carter Hart is 21. He's had 31 games of experience under his belt. Top young goaltenders typically don't have great sophomore years. Just That's a historical fact. I, and if an injury arises to him or if Elliott gets hurt, then you're going to have to rely on Hart more. If Carter Hart goes down with an injury, then you're going to have to rely on Brian Elliott and Alex Lyon, for Christ's sake. That's a disaster waiting to happen. I just – I really, really wish they addressed the backup goaltender situation with a legitimate player rather than Brian Elliott. Well, I'm okay with this because, you know, as I said before, this is a transition year. We're just padding the year out until uh, Ustamenko or uh, Sandstrom is good to go in the NHL. When, you know, once uh, this year's over, we can bring one of them up, uh, let, let Elliot do, you know, do his thing this year. Because what was our other options? Uh, Cam Talbot said he wanted a starting role, so he's never coming back. Because uh, <laughs> they fucking <laughs> well, rode yeah. the bench for four months. Yeah. Um, basically, yeah. I mean, they, they they really did him dirty with that trade. But who else are you, were, were we going to sign? What other goalies were available that was better and less injury-prone than Brian Elliott? Well, if they didn't bring Justin Braun in, that's $3.8 million in cap. And the $2 million they paid Brian Elliott, they could have got Robin Lanier signed for one year at $5 million in Chicago. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, there are, to be fair, there weren't a lot of options. You know, there were the Bobrovsky and Varlamov who were kind of up there. Lanier, I think, was the only one. And quite frankly, even a lot of people were expecting him to sign, you know, a big money long-term deal with somebody, and he didn't. So it was kind of surprising, but their options weren't there. And on paper, the two best options probably were Brian Elliott and Cam Talbot without making a trade. And they scared Cam Talbot off, and rightfully so. <laughs> and, and, and Brian Elliott, you know... 
it was fine. There's just there was a lot of backups left. A lot of these fringe guys that. You know, in theory, probably aren't any better than Brian Elliott, but maybe their injury history is 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 less. And I heard people go, "Well, Daniel Dave Haxtell isn't here anymore." That is true, but he's had three major injuries and two surgeries in the last season and a half. You know, that doesn't bode well for a goaltender. It's thirty-four. It's not like he's in his early 20s where he can shake that stuff off. So I I hope it doesn't amount to anything. But, I mean, Elliot has looked far from decent during the preseason. That's an understatement. I mean, like, (laughs) the other thing, too, is, like, why did Chuck Fletcher, like, sign him before – I think he signed him before free agency started. He did, like, all of his moves before free agency started. So you really didn't get – I mean, I'm sure he was making phone calls and everything, but you really didn't get a good idea what the market was for backup goaltender because you just he signed him right away and it was like, oh, okay, I you know he just kind of like washed his hands like, all right, I'm done with this. I mean, Cam Talbot, like, I think the thing was is like he was banking on Elliott's upside because I believe, and from what a lot of you know beat writers on all of them were saying is that like Elliott has more upside, but obviously he's more injury prone. Well. Talbot, you know what you're getting, and he's less injury prone, but it's just not that high of a ceiling. So you're kind of playing, you know, risk reward kind of thing. But you know how well risk reward has kind of worked out here with, you know, Flyers goalies and injuries. So I'm just surprised that Chuck Fletcher just did it before he even saw what the free agent market developed because I don't know how much of a market Brian Elliott would necessarily have. He signed him on June 26th. So that's what, about a week and a half before the. Yeah. Uh, for agency period. It's just, I mean, in fairness to Brian Elliott, he held down the fort great when Carter Hart went down around the stadium series. Elliott did sure. the absolute best he could, mm-hmm. but, you know, that doesn't erase the fact that he's 34 with an injury history and, you know, it's on the decline. It's just, God, I wish, I wish they would have addressed this, and I have a feeling it's going to bite them sooner or later this year. Well, I, I'm just hoping that the... The, the thought behind it was because I signed him for a one-year deal. I'm hoping they signed him for the one-year deal because they have either either they're high, having high hopes on Sandstrom to come up or they have somebody in mind maybe next year to bring in as the backup goalie. That's that that's my hope. I mean, obviously, like, it's preseason, and, I mean, like you guys were touching on, he has not looked good. But my hope is that... You know, they they keep saying the older guys take a little longer to you know get up to speed. Hopefully, that's the case with him. I'm I'm trying to be hopeful. I, I don't know why I'm shooting myself with the foot every year <laughs> by doing that, but I'm just gonna keep doing it. And my my guess is like he's, I think he's gonna do all right. You know, they're gonna they're gonna have heart. You know, playing you know obviously more of the games. Hopefully, they keep Elliot to about thirty somewhere around in there. And we get somebody else in there next year, and then, you know, we'll, we won't even remember the the worries that we had coming into the season. I mean, he's on a one-year, two million dollar contract. I mean, they clearly don't see this guy in the future. Which, I mean, he's thirty-four; there's not much of a future left. But like, you know, I, Sandstrom is the goaltender backup of the future. You know, it's going to be Hart and Sandstrom. It's just a matter of time. Um, yeah, I have not watched a lot of him with the Phantoms preseason thus far. I'm going to catch a lot of him during the Phantom season, uh, so I'll be able to kind of get more of an accurate picture there. I don't entirely know where he's at, but I, I don't think you're going to see him this year. Maybe not even right. next year. You know, this is he's a work in progress. I don't think he's going to catch on quite as quick as Carter Hart did. Um, so 
Again, it's not a plan for now. It's a plan for later. But you know, in the short term, again, it's a transition year. You want to bank on that, and you want to you know just ride it out and come whatever may. More power to you. But goddamn, if they do end up <laughs> defying all odds and they're competitive, and then you're going to the playoffs and something happens with Carter Hart, then you know you're shooting yourself in the foot here with Brian Elliott. So I hope it doesn't amount to much, but I I don't see a scenario where this is not going to be a storyline at some point this season. In in the Flyers' defense. We said that in 2010, and and <laughs> Michael Lane went freaking batshit insane until the uh, overtime of Game Six of Stanley Cup. Oh, man. So, so I mean, <laughs> must we? I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying Elliot's going to be exactly the same, but you know, we 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 even said it with Carson once two years ago. Always oh, down, we're screwed. Nothing's going to happen. You know, they're they're going to lose in, in uh, the second round is their first game of the playoffs. Ended up winning, winning the uh, Super Bowl. So, you know, it's, it's you know, anything can happen mentality, you know, if you really want to go that far. But, you know, as, as, as far as, as his performance goes, I don't see him being an issue uh, if he's playing 30 or less games sprinkled throughout the season. In fact, he'd probably be pretty good as long as he's not playing a month straight like Dave Haxtell had him play uh, two years ago. And he hasn't been the same since because he, he keeps trying to run him into the ground. God, they should have just brought Cal Heater back. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a blast in the past. I mean, there's no way he's a less injury prone than Brian Elliott. So, some positives. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, imagine if we signed new. <laughs> imagine if we signed whoever instead of Elliott. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can find a free agent list here, but I know the options. Like I talked about it all goddamn summer, so I know the options weren't. Uh... And part of it was most of the options and goalie weren't willing to take the backup role. You know, Robin Lanner probably would not say, okay, I'm going to sign a deal where I'm expected to have 30 starts. It's just, there weren't... <sighs> Fucking Christ. I won't be able to find it now, will I? But, uh... Goaltender. Go. Okay, here we go. Yeah, so, it was... Sergey Bobrovsky, Semyon Varlamov, both of them big money contracts, not worth it. Peter Mrazek, we, we tried that in a fucking game, didn't work. Uh, Rob no, no, Lanier no. was probably an option. Cam Talbot, Curtis McElhaney, Mike Smith, Keith Kincaid, Anthony Stolars, Cal Picard, uh, Jared Trudeau, Philip, Christ almighty, what kind of last name is that? Uh, J.F. Barubi, Andrew Hammond, Max Legacy, Spencer Martin, Scott Wedgwood. I mean, these are like... <laughs> they're all just guys, right? They're like, there's nothing special here. So it's not like there was a big free agent or or an, uh, a logical free agent that could have happened because, you know, at the time, Lanier was uh, expected to sign, you know, long-term big money deal. So at the time, out of those names, it was Talbot and Elliott that sounded the best option for the Flyers, and they scared Kim Talbot away because they fucking sat him in the press <laughs> box for four and a half months. So, I mean, they didn't have much of another option other than Elliott, but uh, goddamn. What a disaster. Wouldn't be Flyers <laughs> hockey with that goaltender problem. So. Of course not, no. <laughs> and you got to think with, even with Leonard, I mean, do you think he's really trying to get, uh, you know, a 30 to 40 games? I'm, I feel like he's wanting a starting role too. I certainly earned one last year with the Islanders, so. You know, right, so. yeah. I don't know, but I mean, he's playing behind Corey Crawford, who, you know, is one more concussion away from retirement. But, uh, you know, I guess they're probably going to try and transition Lanier in as kind of the starter. I mean, he's only 28. I feel like he's been around forever, but uh, I don't know. Could be the uh, 
could be the Blackhawks goaltender of the future there after the one-year show-me deal. Well, even uh, he's got a one-year deal, maybe we pick him up next year. There you go. You never know. <laughs> and he'll always be welcome in the Rangers organization after that trophy debacle. <laughs> <laughs> you had one job. Yeah. I mean, there's a, it was a New York team. At least he didn't put Buffalo. It's close enough. If you squint, they look the same. Yeah. Well, you know, the I and the R. We're not wearing glasses. It's They're hard. pretty yeah, much I get the it. same I get thing. It. I need glasses to see sometimes. I get it. It happens. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with Meyer sent down, Moran and Haig, two defensemen there. My guess is opening night, Robert Haig plays. Just because the hockey gods don't want to watch Samuel Moran. But, uh, again, uh, if they continue their slow starts and like they have in pretty much every preseason game and every game, regular season game for the past, you know, decade, uh, he's probably going to shake the rosters up. He, uh, LA Video did shake the rosters up today as I frantically try and pull the tweet up uh, with the uh, rosters. Of course, I'm going to take fucking slow to load here, trying to kill some time. Do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair... Uh... The Flyers have had a historically slow start to games ever since I can remember. My my, adult, my entire adult life, they've had slow start to games. The difference is when you had a competent coach like uh, Peter LaViolette, by the time the third period rolled around, they were winning. So I'm hoping that with Elaine Vigneault, they'll, they'll tank in the first period, come back in the second and third, and end up finishing it off most nights. The Hayes took the first line center today, Voracek in the first line right wing. The second line was Konechny, Couturier, Lindblom. Third line was JVR, Lawton, Torinsky, uh, Raffle, Bunneman, and Pitlick on the bottom. So, And the defense pairs were uh, Provorov, Braun, Sanheim, Niskanen, Gostas, Bear, Haig. And Moran was the seventh with Myers. So, I, I highly doubt that's the lineup you're going to see uh, opening night. I think you're probably going to get the typical uh, Giroux, Couturier, Konechny, uh, JVR, Hayes, Voracek uh, top six there. But, if again, if they don't do well, I, Elaine Vigneault has shown that he's not afraid to shake these lineup. And uh, that's something that after fucking five years of Dave Axtell, somebody making changes before it's too late is a, is a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you, you actually have a coach with a pedigree in here, and he's, you know, he's not beholden. He's not, you know... One of the boys that this, you know, because, you know, one of the hockey men that the Flyers always have, let's just keep running him out. He's not one of them. He's, you know, kind of from a completely different organization. And he's had success with two in Vancouver and in New York. So he's got a pedigree. He's been to two Stanley Cup finals. You would think he would know what to, you know, get these guys motivated and get them to do. And you can kind of see it in the behind the glass series is, you know, he's not really beholden to anyone and he's going to, you know, kick some ass and he's going to, you know, shake things up. So good for him and not just staying with the status quo, because if this is what these vets need and if they just, you know, just want to stay the same, then we need a coach who's going to shake things up and, you know, put someone down on the second line or them down on the third line, just, you know, get their gears moving. He's been straightforward and honest and not afraid to make changes. And it's like, God damn, I forgot what this was like. Where was this? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I was really I was really liking uh, for the I mean, you know, obviously I didn't like the result of the game in Switzerland, but I was liking Faraby on that second line to give, uh, you know, LB and JVR on the third. That, that was good for, you know, you get three lines with punch and then you get you know, you know, nothing against Lawton, but you get Patrick back in there in that third line center spot. That's 
it's a pretty good top nine if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, and again, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. On paper, this lineup looks just fine. It's about execution at this point. And so far during the preseason, we have not seen that. And I hope, hope they show something during the regular season because I don't want to sit here and watch a team lose again. I'm tired of it. <laughs> well, and here's the thing with, with uh, Alain Vigneault. Uh, when he started with Vancouver in uh, 06, 07, his preseason record was 2-5-1. and one. They finished. Uh, they won the division and lost in the second round of the playoffs. When he started with the Rangers in uh, 2013-14, he was two uh, and four. Uh, they were second in the Metro and they lost in the Cup Finals. So I'm not overly concerned with him uh, per se with with how uh, the preseason turned out. I, I want to see him give a regular season showing, uh, but. Again, it falls largely on do the p- players buy into his uh, message and do they decide to fall and kick things into gear? I mean, I'm sold on Lehman right now. I love the guy thus far. He's been great. He's been I, – I love him. He's had some personality. God damn it. I mean, granted, anybody's an improvement over Dave Haxtell, but, like, they definitely got, <laughs> uh, I think, the right guy. Uh, it's just going to depend on the players now. And – I wish I had some confidence in these players, but uh, you know, it, it, it's it's. I want to see something happen, and again, it's probably going to be a transition year. I truly believe that this is the year. This this is the one year away from being one year away, kind of thing. But I want to see something that gives me that hope out of the gate, and not another slow start. And there, you know, by the, the by, the time January rolls around, you know, there are a dozen points out of a playoff spot. Like I want to see some goddamn action. I want to see it right out of the gate, and let's win some damn hockey games. Just give us some fucking effort. Yes, at least try. Like Show if you're gonna lose, something. like fuck, give me something here. I don't care if you're be going, a fucking if, flyer. If you're going out yeah. on your sword, more power to you. But if you're gonna go out there like a Dave Haxtell and just skate around like a fucking headless chicken for an hour, I'm not here for that anymore. <laughs> If you're gonna lose, it all last year. Go down the past swinging. Three years, I can't do it again. No, I can't. I can't do one more year of nothingness. And there's I will say between, this about the. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just gonna say there's there's a difference between losing and just playing like plain shit. Like a lot of games last year, a lot of games for the last couple years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in their defense, yesterday was not the best game, but. You know, they, they did have a pretty strong second period, and they did pretty well in the third as well. And I think a lot of it was uh, that they were playing on a different sized rink. And I don't I don't care what Bundy says. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to be acclimated to that until you start playing an actual game in those nope. conditions. So that first period was, was really weird for them. It was I mean, it was hard for Carter Hart. All these weird angles that he's getting shot at, which most of the goals were uh, weirdish angles and just coverage not being well. The players are playing way too tight in the first period, uh, too close together. And, and once, once they really figured it out and Elaine Vigneault yelled at them in the first generation, <laughs> they were more or less fine. I mean, sure. Harlan let, let in a, a fourth goal and that ended up being the, the killing blow. But once the second period started, I got the feeling that they got the message that they need to start playing and they need to start adjusting the fact that they're playing in a different rank than they're used to. Yesterday was like the most peak flyer thing I think I've ever seen. They, get their asses kicked by a team they should have beat. They come out extremely slow. They start to get better. They go to the third period. They're in control. They're fighting hard to come back, and then they come up short in the end and lose. Like, is there a better story for the Flyers than that over the last decade? 
Dave Hackstall Flyers. That's Ugh, all Jesus. it was. Yeah. And then well, if they, Drew they really only got that, Dave Hackstall. And if Drew only got that penalty shot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Come uh, on now. Well, boys, it is time to start wrapping this shit up. Uh, Tim, where can people find you on Twitter? At Tim Young Hands. Chris? I'm at Gritty's Backup, the official unofficial backup to Gritty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Steve? Uh, I'm at Snapple Apple and replace the L's with ones. Oh, how fancy. Uh, and uh, I'm Dan the Flyer Fan, at Dan the Flyer Fan. Find the site at Brotherly Puck, the podcast at Brotherly underscore pod, as well at National Puck and at National Pod Net. I will be back tomorrow night with the Angry and Negative show, and uh, and Thursday night as well, for that matter, and Sunday, and Monday, Tuesday, when, and Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, next week, too. So all kinds of shit coming up here, boys. Brotherly Pod back in full for this season. Uh, until next time, goodbye and good night.